0: Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy co founder, coming at you live with the best little parenting show on the internet. The Post Daily Dose. Let me plug these books real quick. And I mean quick. Brian's book from Fear to Love. You can pick this up on promotion at feartolovebook.com. That is the least expensive place that you can get that book. And there's some dandy bonuses that come along with it. We also have this Fabulous book, The Great Behavior Breakdown. You can get these two as a package at discount on postinstitute.com. You can get the books for $10 each, which is about a $5 savings. And then uh, we have this really, really good workbook that we've just come out with in the last few months. Um, It's available in print on Amazon. We have it as an ebook on our website as well. So, I hope everybody is doing well. Um, oh, I forgot I've got this plugged in, but I didn't have it on. New habits, new habits, getting better, getting better. Uh, first, I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much for following our page. For those of you guys who watch our videos, we really appreciate it. And I just want to remind you guys that there are over 600 videos on our Facebook page. Um, I've got two years of Brian. So, if you guys are missing Big Papa Brian post, You can come and check out his videos anytime, um, and I encourage it. We have been talking this week. Did we just start this week? I guess we did. We started at the beginning of March. My goodness. Talking about child sexual abuse, and just we've been diving into statistics and facts. Uh, Last night, we talked a little bit about... Um, Some of the areas of challenge that we frequently see for children who have experienced sexual abuse, we're talking kind of particularly about younger children, and we also talked a little bit about um, languaging, how we approach the topic, what, you know, when they disclose, um, just some guidelines of how to listen, about how to listen. Um, I also find that it's really helpful for us parents, for us adults to have a grasp on any of our own early childhood sexual abuse issues or challenges, um, because that can get really tangled up. We can get really triggered when our children are experiencing issues around things that are so sensitive. Sexual abuse happens to be one of the most sensitive topics in our culture. And so when we begin to see our children, um, acting out with sexualized behavior or when they disclose sexual abuse, it can be very triggering if that is something that's in your history as well. So, um, especially for adoptive and foster parents, I think it's like, it's so important for us to do our own work, for us to do our own, um, mental health work, um, you know, get into therapy. If you have the resources to do that, it's incredible. Um, if you don't have the resource to do that, read. Uh, there's actually some really good people on social media to follow that can help you in that journey. Um, so I just strongly encourage it because it it makes a big difference. Um, transference is a real thing. and We can be super reactive about something out of our own history. So I wanted to talk tonight about more about people who are the offenders and so I did more and more research. I've been reading and digging and reading and digging and that's been good and we've talked about that some and you know pretty much what we knew what we know from um, general information is the demographics of offenders is very broad. There's no set socioeconomic status. There's no specific ethnicity. There's no specific Like, where do you live? Where do people who are offenders live? So, what the data tells us is um, that people who offend sexually, it's just a very broad spectrum. Um, The information does tell us that men still continue to be, uh, it's more prevalent for men to be um, sexual abusers than women. Um, The statistics, in fact, didn't even mention women, but we know, we know that that happens. Um, I think that oftentimes that doesn't get reported because there is such an interesting paradigm in the differences between how men and women are treated with regards to human sexuality in general. So it makes sense that we wouldn't hear much about women who are sexual predators Because men are taught in our culture um, that that they're just supposed to like that. That they're just, you know, anything sexual is supposed to be something that they're all about and all for. And so it really disregards, I think, that that whole whole paradigm of thinking is really messed up. And it really disregards men in terms of uh, just who they are as human beings um and it doesn't really give them space um to have a voice in this arena when they have experienced or women either people it's kind of like if you are offended by a woman somehow you're just supposed to think that that's like a good thing so that's a little weird isn't it (laughs) i mean just think about that's just a little weird uh we're weird human beings we're kind of a messy bunch So let's read a little bit more because I found some things that I thought were very interesting. 70% of sexual offenders offend between one and nine victims. So one offender, uh, 70% of the people who are sexual offenders have between one and nine victims. 20% have between 10 and 40. That's kind of interesting. This I found to be extremely interesting and very important for us uh, in this particular arena of parenting 43 percent, so almost half almost half of all assaults on children under the age of six their abusers are older juveniles they're older children the peak age of those juvenile offenders is like 12 to 14 so it 12 is the peak age and it kind of plateaus off at 14 so That's significant to know, isn't it? It's significant to know that almost half of all of the sexual abuse that takes place to young children under the age of six years old, that their abusers are children likely around the age of 12 to 14. Um, I've got some more notes here. Um, Juvenile offenders are nine out of ten times male. And their first offense often occurs before the age of 15. Um, they are more likely, they're more prone to offend as a group. And they're more likely than other offenders, than other populations. So that's not to say that that people, that juveniles who sexually offend are more likely to offend in a group. It's just like that juveniles are more likely than adults Juvenile offenders are more likely than adult offenders to offend in groups. They're also more likely to offend in public places like schools. Um, females offenders account for about 7% of these uh, juvenile offenders who offend. Uh, recidivism rates I thought was really interesting. Um, between um, 7 and 7% and 13%. Um, There's a 7% to 13% recidivism rate for those children, for those juvenile offenders who receive treatment. So there's this idea that um, because we, in the adult world of adult sexual abusers, the um, recidivism rate is very high. And um, the reports say that treatment is not very successful. Incarceration is not very successful as a form of treatment. When we are talking about juveniles, they are more responsive to treatment and the recidivism rate is much lower, being seven to 13% is much, much lower than what we see in the adult population. Um, Now, this is also pretty interesting. Um, Juvenile offenders are more likely to have been physically, sexually, or emotionally abused themselves 40 to 80% have a history of sexual abuse specific. 20 to 50% have a history of being physically abused. It is noted that they have challenges with impulse control and judgment, that they have high rates of learning disabilities being 30 to 60%, and 80% have a diagnosable mental health disorder. So, that's pretty fascinating, isn't it? So what we see, let's just uh, put that in a nutshell, because I know, I know a lot of families who have juvenile offenders in their home or potential offenders or We, we were talking a couple of nights ago about the statistic that talks about children who are not living with either parent and it had in parentheses foster care and that put that big question like like what about adoption what about if they're you know living in a relative placement with friends family blah 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 all these other questions about other people and other situations where people are not living with either of their biological parents children who are not living with either of their biological parents are 10 times more likely to be sexually abused and so the question and then it had in the parentheses in this particular article foster care. And so the question was like, well, what kind of background checks are they doing? Well, so now we know this may not be about adults being the offender. It may be, but it also may be other juveniles who are in the home. So if you are fostering multiple children, um, then that could be where that additional, where that increased likelihood of uh, 10% more likely 10 times more likely to be sexually abused could be because there are juvenile offenders that are in the home. Um, I feel like, well, one, I'm also glad that I read that there the number of treatment programs for juvenile offenders has increased greatly in the last few years. I think that what I read was that there's like 10, about a thousand treatment programs for juvenile offenders in the United States thank goodness, because it says with treatment, with treatment, the recidivism rate drops drastically. They're very responsive to treatment. Um, So that's very good news for our children. It's really, um, I'll tell you, many of the families that I know um, who have walked this out in their families, it's been really difficult because oftentimes the juvenile offender is sent first to like a detention center, and then maybe they'll get sent finally to a treatment center, but they're sent away from their family for this treatment. And oftentimes, they experience what sort of feels like punishment, and thank goodness the treatment is effective. So that's like really, really, really good news, right? But I, it really makes my heart hurt for those kids, for and most of them being boys. We're talking about boys who are between 12 and 14, generally speaking, and they are more prone to be the ones who offend younger children. They're more likely to have been sexually abused themselves, and they have trouble with impulse control, learning, and 80% have diagn- diagnosable mental health challenges. And so it really, to me, because I've met so many families where this is happening, like that, like I can picture that, like I know that kid and to think that they be, they are sent off for all this treatment and thank goodness again, thank goodness it's effective. But then I think about, you know, some of those children are sent off for treatment, but their offender, their offender might've never even been, that may have never even been reported. The adult who offended them to begin with or even, you know, maybe another older child. And this just is just this like it's like a it's like a virus, you know, just being passed down over and over and over again. And one of the factors that they are identifying is that they're more likely to act out sexually towards other children being offenders when they are experiencing high levels of stress. Because their neurological systems have been trained in that stress and release that we were talking about the other day, how all the stress build up and then this behavior creates a release at the brain level. So, yeah, it's a pretty big deal, isn't it? It's such a big deal. Um, And, you know, it really makes me sad to think about kids having to be sent away. For treatment but that may be the best option and i want to i want this message really also i want it to be two things i want it to be one we all need to open our eyes right well, now that we know that's a pretty big deal now that we know that a large percentage of the reported sexual abuse especially for younger children that the offenders are juveniles themselves and so man we got to really help these boys we really need to help these boys be able it's you know and it's it's right when they're really at that peak of puberty they've been offended themselves so this gateway has been opened up and then we have all these confusing messages about sexuality in our culture and so yeah i mean they they really need support they really need help they really need a lot of guidance so um Tomorrow night we're going to talk about pornography and we're going to talk about some current trends and you're going to see some really interesting connections with what's going on in interfamiliar sex and pornography and this age group in particular and just know that um, our babies really need emotionally mature adults involved in their lives. So, Rebecca said something, and so I want to pop up here real quick. It just says, so great you're talking about this. It's brave, but so important. We need these conversations. We need to be talking to our kids using the correct terminology, modeling consent for ourselves and each other with love and respect, knowledge and power. Knowledge is power. Yes. And that's really, I think that's really because nobody else really does talk about this. And yet, it is so prevalent it's so prevalent and yet we're not talking about it. So, you know, let's again, we just sometimes we have to get comfortable talking about things that are uncomfortable so that they don't have that they don't have as much stigma in terms of having to be a secret. Um, I f- shame shame is such a big piece of this and the thing about shame is it creates a lot of stress internally. And the more stress we experience, then the more maladaptive behaviors we develop to cope with that shame. And being a sexual offender is a maladaptive behavior. So, um, yeah. So, also, I want to let you guys know, I'm going to be doing a full educational piece to our membership, the new Parenting Revolution, at the end of the month. And in that, we're also going to have time for Q&A and conversation. Um, I feel like there are a lot of families out there. In fact, I know, I know there are families out there who have um, juvenile offenders and they feel terrible. They feel terrible. They feel ashamed. They feel like they're bad parents. They feel like, oh my God, if anybody knew that my son had done X, Y, Z, because we are so um, quick. We are so, you know, you start talking about... um, um sex offenders on social media and you know nobody's talking about you know what can we do for treatment how can we help these people so that we have a safer world all people say is i'm going to get my gun you know and so if that's the mentality that doesn't leave families much room to be able to say hey, my child is struggling, and if they're if your child's over for a play date, I'm not going to leave them alone. Don't leave my child alone with your child. That's not a good idea. We don't even have permission to say that in order to try to keep our kids safe because there's so much, it's such a taboo that we're just, like, supposed to not talk about it, but it's the not talking about it that gets us in so much trouble. So, yeah, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> all going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to, you know, talking about it is only going to help us get closer to figuring this out. So knowing that one of the things that can be most helpful for the healing of our children, the trauma that they have experienced is for them to feel the love that we have for them. So make sure that you spend time letting them know how much you love them, how important they are, Talk to them about the most unique characteristics that you see in them that you think are just incredible and adorable and amazing. Remind them they've had plenty already. They've had rejection. They've had abandonment. They've had losses. They've had abuse. They've had neglect. They've been sexualized. They need to feel loved without anybody asking anything from them. So often they've only experienced love From people who wanted something from them. So you be somebody different. You change that mentality. You create changes in their brain when you do that, when you let them know how much you love them, not just with your words, but with your actions. So go take some time for yourself, five, 10 minutes. Decompress from all the things you've been trying to accomplish. Remind yourself that they're children. They need so much love from you. Let the love you have from them shine from your eyes. Let it fill your energy. Let it be the posture of your heart. And go spend some time with your babies. Laugh. Play. Shoot some hoops. Play some catch. Color some pictures. Do an art project. um, Play a game. Lay in bed and read a book. uh, Watch TV. Wrestle. Whatever it looks like in your family. Whatever feels safe to your children. And remember, in any given moment, we can act out of those blueprints of stress, fear, shame, overwhelm. Or we can take one to two to three deep breaths and we can choose love. Much love to you guys. I hope that there's something in our messages that is edifying to you, that builds you up, that reminds you that you are a good enough parent. This is messy business this isn't just an easy breezy thing but by golly you're good enough and you are up for the job much love to you guys and we'll see y'all tomorrow night